Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open them with me for just a few moments. To um, I want to go to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. And I want you to see a familiar story in the Old Testament. It, it leads to the, to the fire falling. Elijah praying the fire down. Some of you who have been around church, you know this story. But there's something that led up to it that maybe you've overlooked. Verse 3. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For so it was, while Jezebel mastered the prophets or massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 in a cave. And I've got to run that rumble again, Matt, if you can get that. Um, 50 in a cave, and he fed them with bread and water. And I'll stop reading there because I want to emphasize that they, the prophets of God in a time when the nation needed them were hiding in a cave. Sounds like a good thing that's going on here. But Elijah confronted it. And, he, and Elijah said to Obadiah, why are you guys hiding in the cave? It's time to come out of the cave and call the fire down. I want to talk to you about coming out of the cave for just a few moments tonight. A lot of things happen in caves, a lot of history in caves, a lot of things to explore in caves, floors and bones and pottery. Caves are cold, caves are dark, caves are empty. And the need for shelter usually is what drives people into a cave. Storms and needing to be safe and secure. The reason that they were in the cave is because they couldn't believe God. They were afraid. And they caved in. The first reference to caves in the Bible is Lot. When Lot came out of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible said that when his wife turned and looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt, And the scripture says, remember Lot's wife. Don't turn back to what God has brought you out of. Don't turn back to the life that God has delivered you from. There's no looking back. There's nothing to go back to. And when she turned back, she was turned into a pillow of salt. But the Bible said that he then, something happened to him, and he found a cave in Zor, and he went in it. He got drunk. And he committed a terrible sin with his own daughters. He went into a a cave of fear. He had a promise from God, but he made a decision to begin to doubt instead of believing. Anytime we make a decision to, to not take God at his word, we begin to cave in. And usually it's fear that drives us in the cave. Fear is faith in the enemy. Fear... Is false evidence appearing real. Fear is a dark room where we develop our negatives. 
Fear will, pol- will paralyze us from our destiny and our purpose. Fear will blur the reality of God in your life. When you're afraid, you give the devil a square dance, Spurgeon said. Fear will cause you to cave in. David used a cave when he was running from Saul. And Saul was trying to kill him. And there he gathered men that became mighty men. But they all met with one thing in common. They were in a cave, hiding, afraid, and fearful. In the time of Gideon, the Bible said Israel was afraid and hid themselves. Hid themselves in dens and caves. Caves are connected to people being afraid. It's a normal reaction when we're afraid to hide in in a cave spiritually and emotionally. To cave in. But I want to warn you about something concerning caves that I saw in the Scripture. In Joshua chapter 10, it talks about five kings that fled from Joshua. And they hid in a cave. And the Bible said that when Joshua got word of it, that he commanded that a stone be rolled in front of the opening of the cave so that he could now control whether they got out of the cave or not. The cave became a prison. The hiding place, once you start hiding from life, once you start, start hiding from issues, once you start hiding from fears and, and, and insecurities or whatever it is that you're hiding from, once you start hiding, the danger of, of entering into a hiding place and not dealing with reality is the hiding place can then become a prison. Because when the five kings entered into the hiding place, Joshua said, now it's going to become a prison. And he rolled a big stone in front of the mouth of the cave. Now watch this. What you have to understand is, the hiding place can become a prison. And when you don't release forgiveness to people who hurt you, and you enter into a cave of rejection, that, that place of hiding can become a prison. And the next thing that happened is the Bible said Joshua came back another day and said, bring them out of the cave. Catch this now. If we stay in our cave long enough, somebody else go- governs when we get out. If you get offended and hurt at somebody and enter into a cave and isolate yourself and I'm never going to speak again, I'm never going to trust again, I'm never going to believe again, I'm never going to you know, have faith in people again, you go into a cave as a hiding place, the hiding place becomes a prison, but here's the thing about forgiveness and bitterness and letting it get a hold of you and making you isolate yourself from your own family or somebody who's done you wrong, guess what happens? They govern when you get out. You don't. The problem with unforgiveness is they have, that person can control you then. But when you release forgiveness, somebody said, well, well, you know, I, I, I know what it is to be hurt. I know what it is to be in a cave. I know what it is to be isolated because I've been wounded and hurt. But you have to get out of the cave of licking your wounds. If you don't get out of the hurt place, it'll become a prison. And then guess what happened when he pulled them out after he governed whether or not they got out. Because when you, when you hate someone or when you're bitter and resentful against someone, they govern when you get out of that dark, dark place. They have control of your life. He, would, he could move the stone when he wanted to. The power of forgiveness is it sets you free.
They no longer control your life. They no longer control whether you're in a dark place of negative thoughts and anger and bitterness and ooh, I, and, and it's that cave you're in. Don't you see? That when you forgive, then you control. I can walk out when I want to. But listen to this. Here's the danger. If you don't forgive, you're going to be a prisoner of your past hurts. And God doesn't want us to be prisoners of our past hurts. What happened to you was totally wrong. But so was Calvary. And Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. And when he did, they didn't control the cave they put him in, whether he could come out of it or not. I love that scripture in Job that says after his friends turned on him and attacked him and criticized him and, and unjustly said that he had sinned and that's why he was sick and he had lost his family and all the stuff. The Bible said that, that, that he could have been bitter against those friends. But notice what Job did. Job 42 said, and Job turned, and God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. The people who betrayed him. The people who hurt him. The people who turned their back on him. The people who, be, who, who, who were so cruel to him. He prayed for them and God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. The situation that is holding you hostage can cause you to be in a prison of past hurts. You can set yourself free when you pray, Father, forgive them. It sets you free. The longer you stay there, the more you lose there. You need to listen to me. Because some of you have caved in because you were hurt, you were done wrong. It may be a busted marriage or some situation. Somebody ripped you off. Somebody cheated on you or lied or stole your money or whatever. And you've caved in and you don't understand. The longer you stay in that cave of the prison of past hurts, Here's the danger of it. Then Joshua called the kings out of the cave and he hung them from a tree, took their dead bodies, threw them back into the same cave and now the cave has become a grave. If you enter into past hurts as a hiding place and you don't get over it, it becomes a prison it affects everything in your life, every relationship in your life. And if you don't get victory over it, someone else governs when you get out of the depression and the, and the discouragement. But not only that, if you don't get out of it, when the Holy Spirit comes and tries to resurrect you out of it, the, the cave becomes a grave to relationships, to dreams, to anointings, to the call of God, the cave can become a grave. The cave of past hurts can become a grave if you don't get victory over it. He cast them into the cave and turned it into a grave. God sent me to tell you, get out of the cave of past hurts. Even in a marriage when... When, when, when someone's been unfaithful, let's get real for a minute. It can become a cave, a prison of past hurts, 
And at some point, if you don't get over it, it becomes a grave to that marriage, to those children, to the dreams and aspirations of a happy home. It becomes a grave. You can't carry an unforgiving spirit, an unforgiving attitude, unforgiving words, an unforgiving mouth without and cave into that and it not become a grave if you don't get out. Now, I love this story and I'm, on, I'm, I'm almost where I want to be. But Obadiah and all the preachers, a hundred prophets, were hiding in a cave and Elijah, the man of God, shows up and says, what are y'all doing in the cave? And Obadiah said, hey, Ahab and Jezebel are in control of the nation. And where are the prophets? Shh. Don't talk about faith. Don't talk about Christianity. Don't get involved in it. And Elijah shows up. And he says, what are y'all doing in the cave? If ever there was a, a time to declare the word of the Lord to the nation... It's now. Not a political party. Not a candidate. My faith is not in the Democrats, the Republicans, Hillary or Donald. My faith is in Jesus Christ who said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What Elijah was saying was, a silent preacher is better than a dead one, is worse than a dead one. A silent preacher is no better than a dead one. Elijah says, you can sit in here if you want to, but I'm going and I'm going to pray the fire down. He challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. I was there a few weeks ago. And he stood on that mountain and he said, let the God who answers by fire be God. And I love the prayer he prayed. He said some powerful words. I, when I first went to Gainesville uh, in Georgia, where, the church where we pastored there, God showed me this and I prayed it for a long time. He prayed this prayer. He says this big prayer when he's on the, on the mountain. And he says, he says, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and, and that's, that seems like that's powerful, but the more powerful part of the prayer is this, and that I am your servant. And I would pray when our church was just a, a hundred people or so, I would pray, let it be known this day that thou art God in Gainesville and that I am your servant. Hallelujah. I felt something when I said that. I'm going to say it in Orange County. Let it be known this day that our God is God in heaven and that we are his servants in Orange County. Hallelujah. Somebody lift up a shout of praise and I'm going to finish this little sermon. Preach with some boldness if you're going to preach. Preach with some confidence if you're going to preach. Sing with some victory if you're going to sing. Because he's the God of heaven, but you are his servant. And God, confirm it to all these people. Don't let a word drop to the ground. The Bible said of, the Bible said of Samuel that not one word fell to the ground. 
And he even said the dogs wouldn't bark when he spoke. Have you ever read that? That when he spoke, the dogs shut. That's power. Where the word of a king is, there's power. And we need to start praying, not that just God be God in heaven, but it be known that if I work on this job, I am your servant in this place, in this school, in this business. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and I am thy servant. That's a biblical prayer. Don't let... Don't let fear, intimidation, unforgiveness, past hurts drive you into a cave. Moses messed up, tried to deliver God's people, ran into a cave and hid. Don't let the shame, the rejection drive you into a cave. The Bible said that he, when God came in a burning bush, it says these words and they are powerful. That he had been in the cave so long, it was about to become a grave to his calling. But the, for the scripture said these words, three words, and four words, and he was content. Because he tried and failed. Do you remember the story? He saw somebody beating up on an Israelite and he intervened and killed the guy and, and messed up and buried him. And the Bible said he buried him in the sand and, and thought it wouldn't come out, and the wind came and blew, and the toes were sticking out of the ground. <laughs> and, and he runs and he hides from his calling for 40 years in a cave, and the dangerous part is, and he was content. And God said, I'm coming one more time with fire. I'm going to light up a bush. I'm going to remember I'm going to remind you of what I called you to do. And that burning bush began to burn. And the contentment, he was content. He was okay in living an isolated, that's their problem. I'm caved in. This is, uh, this, it's not time for me to do anything. I tried and failed. And that's kind of how we feel sometimes about situations. But God is bringing a new holy fire. Let somebody else do it. Let somebody else try. Let somebody else. I tried and, and I failed. But just before his cave became a grave, God lit a bush up. The fire can purge your spirit. and You can come out of the cave of failure. You can come out of the cave of sorrow. You can come out of the cave of unforgiveness. You can come out of the cave of past hurts and sadness and darkness and depression. You can come out of it tonight. The longer you stay there, the more excuses you'll come up with why you're there. But Moses, when he came out of the cave, he had to drag his excuses out of the cave with him. But God, I, I, I can't speak. But God, why would he believe me? But God, who shall I say sent me? But God, and God's saying to us tonight, drag every excuse out of the cave. I'm tired of you telling me why I can't do in your life what I told you I'm going to do. Drag the excuses out of the cave. I can't preach, I, I, I can't do this, I can't do that. I, I gave God all those excuses when he called me to preach. I caved in fear. And God said, you're coming out of the cave and all your excuses are coming out of the cave. 
And I like the fact that when Moses came down off of the mountain, when God gave him the law, we forget that God didn't just give him the law, the Ten Commandments on stone tablets. He had that under one arm, but he had the tabernacle plan under another arm. God knew that we were going to fail and break that law, but he had another plan. And in the tabernacle plan, there were five pieces of furniture, three that went this way, and two of them went that way. And from an aerial view, they had to sprinkle each one of those pieces of furniture with blood seven times. And from an aerial view, when God looked down on Israel, he saw a bloody cross. So here comes Moses with the broken law. He knew you were going to mess up before you ever messed up. But here he comes with the plan of the bloody tabernacle up under the other arm. And the cave can't hold you. Because of the cross. I want you out of the cave of guilt and shame. I want you out of the cave of transgression and failure and fear and darkness and depression. Come out of the cave of unforgiveness and bitterness and step into your calling tonight. And let it be known that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant. And let the God who answers by fire, Lord, let your fire fall on me. Hallelujah. See, Jesus walked up to the cave of Lazarus and he emptied it of its occupants. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible said they rolled the stone away and the grave clothes came off. And I'm here to say, come out, come out. Wherever you are. Get out of that cave of inferiority. God is calling you to the fire. What gives Christianity its power to transform a life and bring someone out of the cave of past shame and guilt and hurt and addiction? An empty cave. That's what gives the gospel the power. Jesus wouldn't stay in his cave. They killed him. They put him in a cave. But he said... Father, forgive them. And when he did, they didn't control. They put a seal. They put guards outside. But the angel rolled the stone away. And the power of the gospel is in an empty cave. I say this in closing. But the power of the church is in an empty tomb. An empty cave. The, 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 the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea is not like a marble mausoleum. It's a cave. We were there a few days ago. It's a cave. And it's so funny. People were there from every nation. We had a service, a beautiful little service. And we had, you know, a couple hundred people. And it was just beautiful. And we had a, they gave us special accommodations. And it was amazing. It was amazing service. But one by one, we waited in line to step into the empty cave... It's the only place in the world where people come from all over the world to see nothing. Because you can't really see it because you have to stoop to get in the little hole in the cave. And when you step through, it's the same reaction every time. He is not here. He is risen. Woo, I felt something. The devil can't keep you in your cave because he rose from his cave. I like this sermon. My God. 
turn to somebody and say, you're coming out of that cave. Let, let, let me finish. My, let me finish. I mean, you're going to get the, you're going to get the meat of God's word and get to watch the debate because, because you can, you're smart. You came to the four o'clock. But I want the devil to know America is not going in a cave. America is not done with. Whatever happens, whoever becomes our president, God has his sovereign hand on this nation. We've sowed too many good seeds. We've reached out to too many hurting nations all over the world. Everything ain't bad about this nation. Everything ain't bad and negative. God still has a plan for our nation and this generation. Come out of that cave. Maybe this is a... Maybe... Calm down. Calm down. Sharice tells me all the time before I go up to preach, calm down. If you would just talk, you would sound smarter. (laughs) She talks to me like that. It's the truth. Calm down. But maybe God has allowed things to get as messed up as it can be. To say to the prophets, to the men and women, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy in the last days. It's time for the cave to become a womb, to give birth to a generation of fire starters all over the world who call down the fire of God upon their cities, not in destruction and death, but in Holy Spirit power and anointing that brings people from death to life. The Bible said of Gideon, when he was given victory, the Lord said through an angel, tell the men, the 300, to shout the sword of the Lord and Gideon. The funny thing is Gideon didn't have a sword. Read it. The only thing any of them had, none of them had swords. All they had was a, was a torch that had a glass enclosure that was darkened out so that the, you couldn't see them coming. And then they had a trumpet, all 300. And Gideon said, when I break the glass pitcher that is blackened out so that nobody could see them, the light's going to light up. And when it does... Take your trumpet and blow it. And there's no swords involved in the battle at all. But then you are to shout the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Well, what does that mean? Well, in Jewish Hebrew thought, the rabbis teach that the word of God is a two-edged sword. Listen to this. When it goes out of God's mouth, it's the sword. But the two edges come when you say what God has said. So maybe we need to quit talking all this negative stuff. Nations going to hell in a handbasket. Dear God, what are we going to do? Number one, we're going to preach mercy and grace to both of them. 
Let's not get on our high horse and act like we're so holified. The truth is, without the grace of God, every one of us are deviant. Every one of us are murderers. Every one of us are liars. Every one of us are adulterers. Without the blood of Jesus Christ. Now shout, or I'll know you're a hypocrite. Can't stand people getting all religious, acting crazy. Jesus is the answer for both. Jesus is the only answer for this nation. The only answer is a holy fire to fall and purify our thoughts, our hearts, our lives, our homes, our nation, our government. I'm not in a cave. I'm saying to you, say what God says. If my people... Does anybody feel the weight of, of, of this night? Does anybody feel the weight of this serious moment in our nation's history? If my people, this is what I'm going to say, which are called by my name, not on a donkey or an elephant. They're riding on a white horse with me. And my name, if they will call on me and repent, I will heal their land. So I want you to stand to your feet all over this room. I want the body of Christ to come out of the cave. We need to fast. We need to pray. Give me a big amen on all this. I don't mean just pray. I don't just mean, I mean pray for these candidates. I'm praying for both of them to have a, the fire to fall in their life, to have a burning bush experience. <laughs> that the church would come out of the cave of political correctness. And that we would be the salt and the light of the earth, that we would stand on the Word of God no matter what happens. That we would fast, we would pray, we would vote, we would say what God says about our nation and about our destiny. I want you to lift your hands high all over this building and say, let it be known this day that you are God in Orange County and in America and that we are your servants. We are your church and we are calling on you to help us we need divine intervention in America. We don't even know what to do. We're like, the, we're like the time when Jehoshaphat, say it. He said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. Give us the sword of the Lord and our agreement with it in our mouth. Heal our nation. Forgive us, oh God. We turn back to you as the remnant in California. We are the salt of California. We are the light of California. The scientists are predicting major earthquakes in California. But remember your people, oh God. Remember your people, oh God. Have mercy on us, oh God. Turn the hearts of this state and this nation, oh God. In Jesus' name. Now just lift your hands and pray a minute. Pray in the Holy Ghost.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.